Mr. Smash Mouth needs to eat 24 eggs, all of them. Welcome to episode number 121 of Stand Under the Don't Tree and Riddle Me This, a podcast about video games. My name is Cole Ross, and I am your host, and I am joined via Skype today by... Dennis Furia. Ben Merkel. David Meismith. Thank you so much, fellas. We're here for an action-packed night of video game discussion, some news, some uh, talking about what we've been playing, and uh, a little bit of audience uh, involvement in this. And by little bit, I mean very little bit. Hopefully, by the end of the show, we'll have some people responding to the discussion question. But uh, let's take a quick look in the future here. The quick hits, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, big news today in the world of mobile games and casual games with uh, Electronic Arts and PopCap. Um, and then in the, uh, in the, what we've been playing, um, just, uh, real quick, everybody talk everybody just say the title of one thing that they've been playing this past week. Catherine demo. Assassin's Uncharted 2. Kingdom of Loathing. Okay. Fantastic. So you can uh, look forward to all of those. And then we're going to round out with a discussion about what makes us replay games. So, um, I'm going to take this opportunity right now to say, Hey, if you're listening to this in, uh, in a place where it's possible for you to go to the iTunes store and drop us a review, that would be, uh, very much appreciated. Um, uh, you know, we'll get to more of that kind of stuff at the end, but that's my request to you at the beginning. Uh, we'll wait here, uh, until you go and do that. So. Oh, my phone's ringing. What's that I hear? Oh, it's hits, and they're quick. The quick hits, where we talk about video game news, and I assign an arbitrary time limit to uh, what we discuss, and we're going to do these rapid-fire right about now. Uh, Apparently, the big news story is that Electronic Arts has stated that they're going to be buying PopCap games for $650 million, um, apparently in cash, which... I'm hoping that means actually stacks of money, yeah, yeah. Um, and also um, 100 million in stock. And as long as I'm fantasizing, I'm hoping that actually means livestock, like <laughs> like arranged marriage style. Yeah. Um, so if everything goes as planned, um, the owner of Plants vs Zombies and um, Peggle will soon be owned by EA. Uh, I guess by this August. And somehow 100 head of oxen are involved. Exactly. I feel like the downside of this is, of course, um, just EA, period. Well, well, uh, on the plus side, the um, Plants vs. Zombies and um, Dead Space crossover game could be amazing. This is true. (laughs) Well, before we get too much further, I'm going to set five minutes on the clock. Three, two, one, go. So, 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 yeah, EA, um, I'm going to jump in here right away and say, you know, it could be worse. Could have been Activision. And I think that most people, their knee-jerk reaction to EA, they forget that EA isn't really that evil anymore. Um, yeah, they've, not, yeah. They've been doing some good stuff in the last couple of years with video games. Yeah. So, so I mean, if 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 Pop if yeah, if PopCap is going to be under the auspices of any company, um, I would rather it go to Electronic Arts because they'll they'll know how to foster them. I mean, Electronic Arts has had a really kind of powerful um, mobile 
uh, strategy in place for quite a while. So, and that and that's where PopCap's games really thrive. That and the whole Origin Steam competitor thing. I don't know. Yeah. Although, I mean, dude, I was with PopCap from uh, like Insane Aquarium freshman year of high school. Oh wow. It was- where was that? Where where did that game go? By the way, that was such a fun game. I don't know. I I wonder if that's still a thing that you can buy. I, I've looked online for it, and at least for like a a play online version, I haven't seen it. But I I feel like with touch gaming, that's got to make a comeback at some point. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, I didn't even know that that uh, the pop cap was uh, in San Aquarium. Oh yeah, but yeah, that was that was a great time, a nice little uh, Tamagotchi kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. So. It'd be funny. Yeah, I, I like David's comment. I'm, I'm waiting for the dark, gritty remake of Plants vs. Zombies. <laughs> well, even like crossover kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, like I, Pagel could have like a Madden edition. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's a football and it bounces weird. Yeah, yeah, why have not? Have you ever tried chasing after a football? Oh, yeah. Know. Oh, yeah. So, all right. It's, it, it, it's, it's infuriating. and Everybody laughs at you and... All that. What, it's like you're like after play in a video game um, podcast. Could you be like, dude, have you ever tried to get a football? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. No. Uh, what was that you were saying, Dennis? It's well, I was gonna say chasing a football is like trying to chase a, a uh, frisbee that's like rolling on the ground. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's got that perfect spiral that always leaves you like a half step behind it. And, and the and the Benny Hill theme song plays. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, what, what else could you do with with EA I, and and uh, PopCap? One of one of my biggest concerns is that you, you know PopCap is really kind of known for putting stuff on sale, and because and because they you know are so nimble and because they're you know whole they were wholly self owned, um, they, they they were able to do that really well and distribute it over Steam and over the App Store and over all that. And I'm worried that by being tied into a bigger entity that may not quite get their strategy, which is get people to buy their games on as many different things as possible and facilitate that by dropping the price as much as possible. Um, I'm worried that uh, in the future uh, that that's not going to be as easy. Yeah, for sure. It's a question of whether EA is... Um, just buying PopCap, or if they're trying to assimilate PopCap, you know, it's like, <laughs> hey, you're you're on our org, <laughs> but it's like, you know, you're on our books now, but you keep on doing your thing would be yeah. the wise path. Yeah, don't crush the bunny. Actually, quick, uh, I thought it was a thing. goose. <laughs> wow, I didn't know I've that was an expression. Never played a PopCap game. Um, do they, other than Plants vs Zombies, have they made any games that aren't just like tiny mini game type things. No, but I mean the the stuff is still good. I mean. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously that's what um, keeps the iPhone running. I mean. <laughs> well, have you ever played Bookworm? Like that takes a yeah. multi-hour investment for every you know round you want to play. Oh so. yeah, Bookworm. <laughs> yeah. I, I, again, back to like, oh, they did that. I, I didn't. I I I own Bookworm. I've played it several times, and. Uh, I'm surprised because I didn't know that PopCap had. Their you didn't know that was PopCap. Uh, I, I, in the back of my mind, I may have or may not have. Oh yeah. But they, but they, but the as a as a company, they really, you know, thrive on those small bite-sized experiences that are just loaded out with personality. Oh yeah. Well, they they totally started out as like spunky uh, addictinggames.com company mm-hmm. where you just happened to be able to buy better versions. Right. Like that, that was their thing. You know, they, they became more respectable over time. God, the studio I worked at, <laughs> the studio that I worked at, like 
Bejeweled was a fucking plague there. <laughs> oh yeah. Like everywhere you went, it was just bejeweled. Uh huh. Yeah. It was. It was. It was crazy. Um, it's, and there, there's so many. You know what blows my mind is there's so many bejeweled spinoffs, and yet it's still like bejeweled is dominant. Well, it's you know bejeweled created the genre. It's kind of like every every first person shooter. That's our time. Every first person shooter used to be a Doom clone, quote unquote, <laughs> and and now you see a lot of people taking that and turning it, um, with with the match three puzzle. And uh, yeah, you know, I still think Bejeweled is the reigning champion just because simple is better. Yeah, um, run except for Duke Nukem, that is still unfortunately a Doom clone. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Yeah. So, any uh, final thoughts on that before we uh, go to the next topic? Don't crush the bunny, Goosey, eh? <laughs> Uh, when was this as an expression? Don't crush the bunny. Uh, crush the bunny. Have you ever uh, read uh, or seen the play of Mice and Men? Yeah. Yeah. George crushes the bunnies. And then you you kill the goose that lays the golden egg. Yeah. Yeah. No. no okay. Yeah. Or or is it right. Lenny? L- Lenny crushes the bunnies. So just kind of yeah. like out yeah. of out of like overzealous adoration, you just yeah. you, you destroy what you love. We're going to go on to uh, another small scrappy game that made it big. Um, Minecraft is going to have its adventure mode debut at PAX. So uh, the Penny Arcade Expo, for those of you who are not in the know, as we say. Uh, Minecraft developer Marcus Notch Person has announced that Minecraft's adventure mode is going to be playable, playable at August's Penny Arcade Expo. The mode will have 40 designed adventures, more farming opportunities, and randomly generated dungeons. Hmm. So, woohoo! Minecraft Ooh. gets bigger. Yes, it does. We have four minutes on the clock. My initial thought was more farming opportunities. All of a sudden, Minecraft and Farmville are starting to bend towards each other here. Not so much. I mean, far, far, there, there's something very specific that makes Farmville what it is, and sure. that, is, that is persistence, and that is the tentacle thing. Um, and tentacle being it has, it has its claws and everything. Um, but, uh, I mean, have you, have you, have you like, gotten a, a farm going in, uh, in, in Minecraft? Me? No. I, no? Screw that. I did. I'm, I'm underground, man. No, no, I mean, just like, well, I mean, underground during during the night, and then you go up during the day, and you cultivate the wheat, and then you carry the stacks of wheat and, uh, and, and an oven with you, and then you can make some delicious bread, and that actually is a really good way to restore your health. I mean, just... Uh, like like just the, the 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 key thing in Minecraft is is the is the tension between okay building up and you know kind of the IKEA nesting instinct mm-hmm. and then the the need to explore and i think farming kind of gives you you know a, a more incentive to really kind of build um a, a structure that will uh that will allow you to farm that and it's a neat engineering challenge too because you have to do like irrigation as well um so so yeah that that's not as asinine as it seems yeah. So what about Wait, this? So are okay. we talking like Harvest Moon with really bad graphics, or <laughs> pretty much depending on how you skin it? But continue, Dennis. Uh, I was gonna say. So what about this adventure mode? Like, what kind of adventures would you see Minecraft having beyond the completely like sandbox, freeform ones <laughs> that you create for yourself? I think Minecraft has been aching for a purpose for a while. It, in mm-hmm. in that, it's really nice to like build yourself up to sustainability, and then. You start a new world and then build your, build yourself up to sustainability um, again, and then you you know repeat ad nauseum. But I think these these adventure modes, what they've said is they're they're designed experiences that you know they're 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 maps that they've built 
that, you know, say, go here, do this, you know, solve this puzzle, um, the, you know, things like that. So basically making it like a miniature Zelda game almost is the impression that I get from all the coverage I've seen. Mm-hmm. I know that in Terraria, you can actually download maps that people have made that are like that, where they've, mm-hmm. you know, set up signs, you know, laying out various challenges and stuff. So I'd assume it'd be like that. Yeah, there are plenty of those um, in Minecraft as well. I've played a lot of them from the uh, from the Something Awful community. Uh, oh, I bet that's there. good. Yeah. So, good. I would love to see, like, almost a an RTA... Uh, RTS element to it in the term of like, hey, you set up your base and you have to get this many resources and build yourself up a certain way before uh, disaster strikes or before your enemy overwhelms you. Right. That could be a really interesting component if you have a map with limited resources, spawn I, I mean, now I'm taking this a step for, <laughs> further, but like spawn two people into it and tell them, go build yeah. your castles. Think about it this way, too. That would be a fantastic way to, like, create challenge maps. Um, And if those kind of built up, it would really teach somebody how to play a game, right? So Mm -hmm. say, like, the the little module that you loaded was, like, build the trans something something railroad. And then it's just kind of like, okay, go. You need to get enough. You need to to build um, um, a minecart path along this before XYZ number of days. And then that's your your victory um, kind of condition. Yeah. Yeah. What what about this for an idea? What if like you you uh enter in this ability of like growth in Minecraft where you can get bigger and bigger oh. like as you progress in missions? And mm-hmm. so as you play the game, the blocks become smaller and smaller and eventually it becomes a game with really good graphics. <laughs> <laughs> so it's fitting that the third story is about Modern Warfare 3. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of hype. I've been, I've been digging through some videos the last couple of week about weeks about this game, uh, Modern Warfare three and Battlefield three. I'd like to have a discussion about that eventually, mm-hmm. but to keep a quick hit, the quick hits going, uh, specifically this last week, we found out that Modern Warfare three is going to have a colorblind option. Um, and it came from a blog post from Sledgehammer games, uh, that'll have a colorblind assist option, and it'll help people who are colorblind differentiate between red and green in the game. Yeah. So night vision will not be confused with blood vision. <laughs> blood vision? Yeah. You mean infrared? It's one of the new perks. Okay. No, you you don't have blood vision. <laughs> I, I assume that my vision is somehow powered by blood. Um, <laughs> let's let's uh, let's set three minutes on the clock. All right. All right. I, I, I added the story as an editorial choice just because accessibility is, is really pretty neat. If you look at the stats, I mean, 6% of the population is, is colorblind, which yeah. is pretty big. Uh, yeah, that surprised me. That did me as well, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and given how many games, especially multiplayer ones, you know, ask you to differentiate between red and some other color, um, that, that seems like a pretty big deal to me. Yeah. I was going to say, I was surprised that this was necessary because this is a gritty, realistic game. So really, it's like brown and 
varying shade of brown. <laughs> there are different UI elements as well, I suppose. You'll have to help me because I've never I've never played it. But you know, there it'll be like a isn't it like there's a green. There, there, there's a green uh, name over somebody who's a friend, and there's a uh, there's a, there's a yep. red name over somebody who's. You wait long yeah. enough to see the the name, though, dude. <laughs> okay, all right. You're not playing the game, right? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> or you, or you're a freaking awesome sniper. Yeah, this is something that I really liked about Team Fortress too, in that you everything was determined by the silhouette. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. So just just the different the different visual design, but this is something I'd love to see happen. In, in a lot more games, I had a um, one of my old managers. Uh, we when when uh, uh, Splinter Cell Pandora Tomorrow first came out, mm-hmm. um, he could not play as the mercenaries in the multiplayer mode uh, because he was completely colorblind due to uh, due to some brain injuries, and um, and so he 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 had absolutely no way of discerning the UI on that. I think he may oh, have man. been like. Um, trolling me or tricking me because he just wanted to play spy a lot it it always you know brought to my mind they're like oh just because i can see every color of the rainbow you know ask me how that is um you know i can uh you know that that's that's something i don't think about a lot yeah Yeah. and more people should damn it although it's like the downside of this is players the more these they add players are quickly going to find out that you know if you set it to like green purple colorblind you know um sound assist mode with closed captioning it like allows you to see through walls or something. <laughs> well it's kind of like we talked about with the with the captions uh-huh. last yeah. week dennis you sounded like you sounded like you had an epiphany he stole my point oh uh, okay sorry yeah maybe i don't know that's just I, I i want everybody to be able to be able to play games. oh yeah yeah, yeah. i mean I, uh, I'm, I'm I'm still amazed by some of the like closed captioning things they have on like um, YouTube and stuff. Uh, apparently, there there there's still uh, I mean there, there are games and there are games in development for the for the iPod and iPod Touch and iOS that are designed specifically for blind people. Oh, um, which is which is pretty neat because those devices are fully accessible out of the box. You know, you you just turn on, um, you just turn on, you know, the the narration mode and whatever you hover over it, you know, the whatever is programmed in there is 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 spoken aloud to you. So that uh, you know, that that could be another you know new avenue. So that would be cool. Yeah. So 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 yeah, that's uh, that. I think that's a cool story. Um, any final thoughts? Um, any any other accessibility things that you wish would be brought? Um, I think there needs to be an accessibility mode that makes me suck less. Okay, yeah, for people who are bad. Yeah, I think there needs to be one for for people who are bad. You can't help it that you suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a pretty important question for you guys. Um, it's going to be the, the basis for the bulk of um, tonight's show. I need to ask you, uh, what have you been playing recently, this past this past week? Um, you know, just just wondering. Just, just I can go. I don't. I don't really care. I, I have been playing probably the newest thing, but but you know, take the initiative. <sighs> okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll I'll take this bullet. I'll take this initiative bullet. So can I tell you guys about the Catherine demo? Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, Catherine, um, it's the new game uh, that's going to be coming out made by Atlas, uh, the, the, the publisher, more specifically the, 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 the developer behind the Persona games. Um, and did like, Atlas also do um, Demon Souls? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, Atlas did Demon Souls, and Namco Bandai is doing Dark Souls, the the, the spiritual successor. Okay. Uh, no, but Catherine, it is um, a, a big change of pace for them because it is a combined um, visual novel slash uh, puzzle game. Yeah, what I gathered from it, just seeing a preview of it was just when you thought Japanese games couldn't get any more crazy, there's Catherine. Is that true? Or yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty true. But there's like a pretty there's a pretty stark divide between when stuff gets crazy and when stuff is actually kind of like you know realish. Okay. Yeah. Like when it gets crazy and when it gets Japan crazy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So let me let me lay down the premise. I don't want to spend you know too too terribly long talking about. It, but I, I played the demo, um, or at least too terribly long talking about the premise. I played the demo, um, and the game is kind of divided up between. Um, daytime segments where you play as like a 32 year old loser with a longtime girlfriend who is, you know, wanting to do something a little bit more permanent, you know, get married, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he is having trouble, um, committing to her because her name is Catherine and there's another girl named Catherine who's younger and sexier and more evil and all that. Um, so that's during the day at night. He has nightmares where, uh, if he dies, he, he dies. Um, and for some reason he has uh, goat's horns or like sheep horns and he's climbing up a big tower. Um, and apparently this is some kind of manifestation of his guilt and his uh, um, trek into maturity and, and, and all of that. Um, so, so that's kind of the basic premise. Um, the, the demo was actually woefully short, but uh, I got a pretty good feel for it. I went in, I'm expecting to like it for the horror and kind of quirkiness aspect of it, but not really wanting to like the Japanese-ness and the non um and the and the non-interactiveness of it outside of the 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 puzzle things. And this is really all I'll say about the about the kind of um talky parts in mm-hmm. is that I expected not to like those, but ended up actually really liking them just because um I guess nine hours, nine persons, nine doors inoculated me against that. And huh. made me like really like it and look at like oh I get it now that's what this is this is a horror visual novel uh-huh. that is actually exploring some kind of really some kind of new new territory for game narratives especially for Japanese if you th- you know if you hear Japanese romance game you're thinking oh it's going to be high schoolers right let's well, like, like actually like no this is kind of a complex thing that's about you know commitment and. Uh, marriage and stuff like that and in you know it's it, it, for 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 however like ham-fistedly and japanesely it's done you know kudos on them for actually talking about it yeah <laughs> yeah so 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 that's that's kind of the, the 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 daytime part and and it's really kind of uh um emphasizing like respond like you would respond or respond honestly and there is a uh, a meter that you know measures your goodness and evilness and the majority of what you do is through text messages um at least in the demo so you can respond with a text message and you press a to write a lie and you see what it is then you can press b to like erase it and then rewrite it and then you change like the then you change the message so she says are you out drinking and you say you don't own me or you can say yeah i'll be careful and then it comes back huh. and it gives you the immediate feedback. I'd actually like it if they took away the little angel devil meter 
just just because um it makes it really it makes it too easy to like know the consequences of your actions and i'd rather see that play out in kind of a choose your own adventure kind of way without make it like horror novel puzzle game and personality test yeah pretty much think like uh silent hill shattered memories um yeah so so so, yeah i think there's a lot of potential there i don't know if i'm gonna buy it um I, I, may, I may just i may just rent it possibly depending on what it is and how quickly the price goes down uh, before it goes way back up because it's super rare because it's an atlas game um <laughs> but uh the, the the nighttime stuff uh you know you're climbing up these big towers that are made out of blocks and you have to manipulate the blocks in order to kind of create your way forward. And uh, the, the bottom of the tower is falling off as you climb up. It does a pretty good job of creating tension. Um, since it was the demo and it was kind of like, here's the first chapter, the puzzles were kind of easy. But uh, it, it gets to a point where, like, the monster that's chasing you, you know, climbing up the tower, it, you know, they manipulate the blocks. And, like, these ones are slower to pull. And these ones are uh, impossible to, you know, to manipulate. And uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty rewarding in that it gives you feedback. And, you know, at the end it gives you bronze, silver, gold kind of rating. So um, it, it almost seems like a, like a token um, nod toward, like, okay, there has to be some kind of, like, game to this. But uh, I could see it being, you know, okay, so long as it doesn't get in the way of the thing that a lot of people would probably really be there for, which is the story. Is the reason why there's this weird, like, horror nightmare on Elm Street thing other than, like, Japan? Um, I think Japan, knowing, knowing, this, uh, knowing this dev team, there's probably going to be some kind of, like, succubus incubus kind of mythology behind it. You know, like you know, uh, these are actual demons because like in, in the in the real world, you know, Vincent is the, the main character. He's haunted because like every night he goes to sleep and has these nightmares, wakes up. There's a story on the news about another person his age and in a very similar situation who's died. So he's solving these puzzles alongside these other people and the ones who fail are the ones who die in real life. So there's that narrative reason. But I think that. It, it more exists to be a manifestation of his of his you know guilt and his refusal to mature etc that could be really so is he like uh saw style almost um like competing against these people to finish the puzzle so it's like man in my dream if i'm fighting to win here i'm actually killing off another person that hasn't become an element yet unfortunately that would be pretty interesting but Dude, uh, i say yet. i say called it someone needs to play this game <laughs> tell me tell me how yeah. it turns out i'll, I'll <laughs> definitely play it i'll definitely play it nice so any questions about that before I move on? It sounds interesting. Yeah. But, uh, I need to see when that comes out. I think it's like in two weeks or maybe a week. I don't know. I know it's, I know it's July something. What, uh, what systems will it be for? Uh, PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so if you want a pretty good like high-definition introduction to like what a visual novel is... Um, that might be, uh, it might be a, good, a good one. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. But that's something that I wish there was more of in English. So... Oh, well. Can I move on to Tiny Tower? Go for it. Okay, Tiny Tower. Not going to spend too much time on this one because it is an iOS game, um, and I, I, I don't know how responsive the audience is to that stuff. Um, but Tiny Tower, um, it, it kind of achieves the impossible because it kind of makes me understand like what people who play Farmville feel. <laughs> okay. So did you ever, uh, back on the PC, play a game called Sim Tower? Oh, yeah. Yeah, where, where where you know you had the you, you were you were a tower developer like a miniature Donald Trump, and you decided what went on what floor, and you know you maximized. It was like you know just like a sim tycoon kind of game. Um, this is that except it's except it's persistent. 
um, in that if you uh, check the little box that says give me notifications, it will ring and say, hey, the fast food store needs to be restocked. Uh, (laughs) and and the thing is like tending that little zen garden and like building up and making sure that all of your little tower inhabitants have their dream jobs and everything is operating at max efficiency and there's always something that's you know there to be sold it's actually pretty satisfying i don't know about like longevity because you know the only real end game is your your tower gets you know really tall um (laughs) it's 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 not like it's not like game dev story where there there's a definite win scenario which is get a game in the in the hall of fame and this definitely scratches the very same itch um like right down to it has these really cool kind of like pixel art graphics um but uh yeah like the actual gameplay is pretty scarce um just because like while you're playing it people show up at the elevator and you move them up to the floor that they want and you can get tower bucks by doing that tower bucks they're separate from they're they're, they're separate from the uh from the from the actual currency that you use to like restock and buy new floors you know things like that in that you can use them to uh to hurry things up so you can spend xyz number of tower bucks to hurry up a restock which might take an hour or to hurry up you know building a new floor which you know the last floor i built took like five hours to build so Um, how long until they allow you to buy tower bucks with real money funny that you mentioned that dennis because (laughs) because if you're patient you know you can play the entire game without spending a single red cent it's free um but uh it does have a very prominent link that says hey buy tower bucks and you can spend thirty dollars to get a thousand of them and basically just win the game <laughs> hey, if you if you spend some money, we'll take all the challenge out of this game. Yeah, is that like for walking? Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, uh, I don't know how much longer I'll play it, but it's neat, and and like I said, it does give me a little bit of insight into how the other half lives. Then finally, I've been playing more Breath of Fire three. Um, I, I don't know how much more I have to say about it. I'm pretty close to the end. Um, I, I, I do have a couple of things to say in that, uh, the fishing mini game in that needs to be brought to some kind of mobile platform. I don't care if it's iOS. I don't care if it's Android. Um, I need to be able to fish using the breath of fire fishing engine. (laughs) (laughs) The premier fishing game or yeah. mini game of the century. Yeah, well, I mean, Breath of Fire—that's that, kind of like their thing. Like all, all of the games have a little fishing mode, and you use, you know, you use that. You go around the world and you catch different fish in different places, and they are items that you can use in combat. So a lot of them restore health, like puffer fish. They restore, um, like you know, they 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 cure you from poison. Um, Warning, don't try this at home. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Except the opposite. (laughs) If you want to die, eat a puffer fish. Um, Like the the octopus, it'll blind all the enemies and stuff like that. Up to like if you catch a whale, it will, you know, you can use use that to replenish all of your health, um, like your entire party's health. And actually, if I remember correctly from when I played the game, uh, beating the final boss depended on me using a shit ton of whales. So <laughs> I'm going to need to... I thought you were going to say, like, using a whale, you could summon, like, a horde of Greenpeace activists. And... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Wait, so, so when, when you're hunting these whales, are you actually going, like, all Moby Dick style, like, chucking spears? Even more badass than that, you're standing on the shore and you're casting a line out. <laughs> <laughs> 
What's the bait on that look like? How do you how do you put a put a hook through a school of krill? <laughs> I think we just found the episode, um, <laughs> the episode title. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, no, that's it's it's fun and it's a it's a nice little diversion. Um, it's a diversion within a diversion because this is a game that I'm playing solely to entertain myself as opposed to talk about on the podcast, um, which is which is rare for me. Um, uh, another thing I'm going to talk about is is kind of just like the things that they did in this that haven't really um, extended to other RPGs um, or other games really and that they have this whole master apprentice system and that you find NPCs throughout the throughout the world that you you say okay I'm gonna I'm gonna have this character apprentice with you you're a mage I raise levels with you and you teach me more spells and you affect my stats. So like if you level, you're actually if you level just normally without any of the masters, you you're actually going to be outpaced by the enemies and so a big part of of actually building an effective team is figuring out who needs to be with what master in order to maximize their stats. Huh. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. And something I, I haven't seen anything like that recently. Granted, I haven't really played a JRPG since 2001. Um, so th- this might be all over the place, but I don't know. So is their fishing system better or worse than Zelda Ocarina of Time? Uh, better. Just I, can't, because I can't believe that. I, I can, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'm just you, kidding. I know. You, you laugh, but it's, but, it, but it's, it's actually really good. I would, I wish that that franchise hadn't died. I wish Capcom would do something besides fighting games and Resident Evil. But uh, that's just me. I don't know. I'm a yeah. dying. I'm a, I'm a dying breed. The Breath of Fire fan. Um, yeah. So that's all I have. I've got I've got a bunch of small ones and one bigger one okay. that I can chew through. Okay. I uh, so a new a new crop of free games for PlayStation Plus came out um, a little bit ago. So I I downloaded several of them and, and put just a little bit of time into each. Um, this is, th- these are much more along the vein of like the, the iOS little rinky dink games. Um, but the one exception to that was medieval, the PS one oh, game, yeah. which, um, I, I knew by like name and I knew the main character and stuff and I knew it was kind of big. Um, but that was for free. And so I've, I've started playing that and it, uh, it was a realization for me in how far game design has come. Uh, nothing to do with like graphics or anything like that, but just within the first level, there was like very obscure for, for a game that was so linear, it was very obscure where you were supposed to go next. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there actually came a point where you could, uh, finish the level without the one like key item that you needed. Mm -hmm. And it'll give you a warning at the end of the level, say like, Hey, you didn't get this, go back and get it. And yet, you've you go down like a cliff at one point that you can't get back up so you kind of you kind of get stuck and so it was it was interesting like cool game and you know i I look forward to exploring it a little more because i know it's got a great reputation but just in the little bit that i played it was like you know it's more than just graphics that have gotten better over time yeah developers used used to be so much more willing just to say deal with it yeah, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like you should have thought of that for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's, a, that's um, a hard game. That was a, that was a really difficult game. Yeah, so I like I said, not much time in it, but uh, you know, it's it's something I'll I'll keep on messing around with. Uh, the other one is I am Monstar, hear me roar, which uh, is these next door straight off of like addictinggames.com. Um, 
that that one is is your typical uh, run around is a small thing, eat smaller things, and avoid bigger things until you're big enough to eat big, big things, things and avoid <laughs> monstrous things, and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, that was nothing special. And then the final one was mutant alien zombies, which is like a very rudimentary shooter. It's almost, uh, I'm trying to think of what to compare it to. Yeah. I mean, you're just on like a series of platforms and more and more and more mutant alien zombies come at you until you die. Yeah. And so it's like a, it's a high score. So, so, so they're all three at the same time. Mutant alien zombies. Yes. So it's not, it's not mutants, then aliens, then zombies. It's mutant alien zombies. Right, and it's. Okay. I guess they figured it'd be the the pinnacle of terror. Okay, I got. Uh, See, you gotta add robots. I was yeah. gonna say you gotta add Nazis, and then but... Nazi ninjas and pirates. <laughs> and... See, but ninjas and pirates and everything have like that cool factor, which uh, which I guess aliens do. And Nazis don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, say what anyway. you know about the tenets of national socialism, you know, socialism, but at least it's an ethos. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a man. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> Eight-year-olds, Donnie. Without, Eight-year-olds. without the necessary means. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's get all that out. Uh, yeah. So so that was um, the, the minis. I, th- there's also Bomberman available, and I've heard mm. people say that's like multiplayer goodness, like the new Bomberman. Oh, I love it. Which I'm surprised they make new Bombermans still. Yeah. But uh, people have said that they're good, so haven't played it yet, but might. Yeah, do that. Do that. I've got it on the on the Xbla, and it's, and it's good. Nice. Um, I've continued playing um, Ratchet and Clank: Future: A Crack in Time, Ooh. and uh, it's 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 good. It's I think I said this last week. It's it's definitely a Ratchet game. Like it's fun to play, and it's got all that. It's just I, I don't know if it's because they've done so many games or what, but the they're they're struggling to find true innovation. And it's like, oh hey, I'm on the lava world again, and there are mm-hmm. these you know jumping from platform to platform. It all it's all starting to look a little bit samey um but it's still fun to play at the core of it so well as the title alluded to they added in the time mechanics right that uh, you're right i I haven't had much experience with that um basically the way that works is as clank you step on a pad and then can record yourself doing something okay and then you run to the next pad when you finish recording and hit record and play and record yourself doing something else while you're past self does the thing you recorded and you just repeat that um and alter that until you until you solve the puzzle so i've only gotten through the first two levels and it's Uh been pretty um pretty easy so it's so it's stage four of braid that's exactly what i was thinking (laughs) right and maybe now i i I won't say yet if this has braid potential i actually thought of braid because you know how the the one series of levels you do something, rewind, and then play alongside your like purple past self. Yeah, stage yeah. four. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. I didn't know that was what you were talking about. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. So yeah, yeah you're, you're a step ahead of me here. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's that. Um, also, every every series of planets is accompanied by like this vast area of mini planets. So I think it was the third game that introduced the um, smaller complete sphere planets that you could play completely around. Like you'd run around this entire planet. Um, and there's just a bunch of those floating around the main levels. And so I obsessive compulsively go and play every single one of those before I go to the next mission, which is, uh, has served to extend the gameplay time, uh, quite exponentially for me. I'm only 
on the third main planet, <laughs> and uh, I've probably played a good 15 of these smaller planets. I'm going to take issue with this just so we don't get email. Um, mm-hmm. Mario Galaxy came out in 2007, um, and that had the, the, the sphere planets. Yeah, but Up Your Arsenal came out way before that. Was it? Did, oh, yeah. Did, did, did that have the miniature sphere That was planets? on the PS2, sucker. I actually remember thinking, no. ah, they ripped off uh, Ratchet and Clank when, uh, okay. when they came out with Super Mario Galaxy. They also used similar things in uh, uh, Tools of Destruction, too, and I think that came out before okay. Mario Galaxy. Real Tournament 2006, you could um, do it if you really wanted to. <laughs> Okay, so let's just make this a full minute of me being wrong all set the time. <laughs> Literally everybody chimes in. To... Okay, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna end the call. Good night. Okay. Hey, Dennis, um, to pseudo jump ahead, I'm actually um, playing along. Um, oh yeah. Oh, using Dennis's copy as well. Um, yeah. I was wondering, Dennis, are you having the same thing I'm having where? Um, you no longer have to explicitly, you know, buy an upgrade tree through the weapons. So I'm finding that I have like thousands upon thousands more bolts than I would ever need. Yeah, yeah. You just as, as soon as a weapon becomes available, you can buy it. There's no there's no scarcity. But so I, I would say that's bad, except for the fact that. Every time in one of the earlier games that there was a new weapon available that I couldn't buy immediately, I was like, this is crap. <laughs> See, so. I feel like there needs to be the balance between, I don't know, like that and actually having something to do with your money. But, yeah. 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 <laughs> well, we're about ready to talk about Assassin's Creed, so let's not talk about broken economies. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, for Assassin's Creed, I... um. I got into the multiplayer finally, and I've been meaning to forever. I saw your toot about it. Yeah, it's it's awesome and completely counterintuitive, <laughs> but it's typically awesome. <laughs> so uh, basically the the premise of the game mode that I'm playing at least is that you, you spawn into an area, and each, each person has a unique avatar, but the, the arena is filled with NPC avatars that look like just like all the other players. Um, and you're given the picture of someone that you need to hunt down in a compass that gives you their general direction. And the closer you get to the person, the more vague the compass is. Uh, and you're instructed to hunt someone down, which is all well and good, except there's always someone hunting you at the same time you are hunting someone else. Um, and so the first thing I'll say is that this multiplayer mode turns Assassin's Creed into what I think it was trying to be from the beginning. This is a, a slowly approach your target, use social stealth, observe before you rush in an attack kind of game mm-hmm. where you're constantly watching your back and you're, you're as worried about you know who's chasing me as making sure that you get the right target. And um, I remember that's what, what made Assassin, the first Assassin's Creed so different and so much fun as long as you mm-hmm. played it the way they kind of wanted you to. Um, you could definitely hack and slash your way through <laughs> if, uh, if, if you decided you got bored with that. But, uh, I mean, after the first couple of matches that I played, my heart was beating just because it's such an <laughs> intense situation. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a ton of fun, and it works really, really well. But it's almost entirely structured around cheap deaths. 
So the fact that you can effectively use stealth and the fact that you are always being hunted while you yourself have an objective to focus on mean that almost half the time that you get killed, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, okay, I'm dead now. Which, if that were to happen in Call of Duty or you know any of the other multiplayer games that I've touched in my extensive multiplayer experience, would cause me to be like, this is crap, and throw my controller and storm out of the room. But I think what it is is when you stop to think about it, even though you don't have a chance to defend yourself most of the time, there are things you can do to, to be better. So even though I had no chance to defend myself – Maybe if I took a more indirect route to my target or maybe if I uh, hung out near more people that looked like me or something like that. And so you can't be frustrated with this person who did exactly what they were supposed to do, assassinate you mm-hmm. uh, and give you no chance to to run away. I feel like that's what an assassination is. Um, instead, you're kind of thinking through how you can how you can do it better. There's a lot to be said for the fact that you're learning how to play this game just because nothing like it has been done in the mainstream. Oh yeah. So so you can think like, oh okay, that that's a learning experience as opposed to, you know, a, a first person shooter where those skills are really heavily codified. So it's just kind of like it doesn't feel like there's anything you can do about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Can I make to couple- provide a counterpoint, I would say, personally, I hate the game with a fiery passion <laughs> whenever I play it, simply because I have zero tolerance for um, cheap deaths. Yeah. Like that's just like my, uh, you know, my thing. That that's just one thing I will not tolerate in a game. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I, you know, watching Dennis play. I mean, it's obviously a very well done, very, very good game. But I don't know. I feel like it's. I think people's approach to it would be very much how they kind of how they view games, how they take it. Yeah, I, I I just I take issue. I don't know how cheap the deaths are, because yeah. I, I never I never I never felt like I died where it wasn't my fault in the time where I played it. Hmm. Yeah. It's, so so you're saying it's not necessarily that they're cheap deaths; they're just surprising deaths. Yeah, I think I think there's a difference. A cheap death is somebody you know exploits or or something like that. Um, and the, the, in the Assassin's Creed, it was usually my failing, like, oh, I didn't move discreetly enough or, you know, I should have been more observant. See, so. I just, I didn't like not being able to explicitly hunt down the people that were after me. Oh. <laughs> so that, that keeps like every, being defenseless. That keeps everybody honest. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I like that there was a term you used a while back there, Dennis. I, I really liked it. Did you take it from their copy or did you make it up yourself? Social stealth? Oh, that's that's hardcore them. I won't claim that, to be that oh, smart. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, I just say that's because that's really, really apt. I like, you know, just because the hiding in plain sight was such a big part of what they did. And that, that becomes so effective because like, oh, how can you hide in plain sight from a computer? But hide in plain sight from another person who senses and perceives exactly what you can sense and perceive. That kind of introduces a level of tension that I personally have an experience out of watching certain scenes in Breaking Bad or the hunt for Red October. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah. it's infinitely more realistic. I mean that, you know, that, that is predominantly how you do, you know, hiding and stuff like that. Because I mean, if you really tried to, you know, Sam Fisher or whatever, it'd be fairly <laughs> obvious because, 
they could just be like, hey, kill the only guy in a crazy wetsuit. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the asshole in the orange crate? You know, it's true. That's good. I, I've got a couple. I've got a couple more days left on my Xbox Live Gold. I need to pop that in. Oh, it's it, it, it's yeah. good. Um, the other thing I'll say is that the the perks that they give you are are pretty pretty good. Um, I haven't come upon one yet that I haven't found some use for. So, uh, you know, if if you're playing a game, a map with uh, long lines of sight. Mm-hmm. Then you know the gun is an excellent uh, technique. If you're playing a map that's small but has lots of people, then you know morph is an effective technique. Um, the smoke bomb is my forte. I am a I'm, I'm a master at luring people in. I think I think that's where the real fun of the game is because you know David, you talked about not being able to hunt the people who hunt you, but in a way you can. You just got to know how. You know it's. It's a it's a lot harder for certain, but if you if you notice a person before they notice that you've noticed them, <laughs> and in noticing their noticement of the notice that you put that they're noticed no, uh, but you can kind of you can kind of lure them in and and turn the tables on them real quick. And, and I feel like that is one of its strengths is it's very uncanny the degree to which you kind of develop an intuition where you know you'll oh, okay. see, you'll see someone, and you know. Just through some like minor, like the way they're walking towards you, even yeah. if they're not doing anything weird, you'll like instantly know that person's coming after me. I would say they have a look in their eye, except you know it's a computer model. <laughs> yeah, like it, it truly, you know, I you know I do martial arts. I've you know read through you know all this stuff on you know awareness of your surroundings, but it really is true, like. You develop an intuition, you know, when you're paying attention, you know, it's it's weird. Yeah, there there have been multiple times where as I'm getting stabbed to death, I go, I knew it! I knew that was... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, and it's another thing. On the other side, aside from noticing somebody coming after you, on the offensive side, it really kind of feels like this is, this is a game that forces you to act. Mm-hmm. It forces you to act like an, like, like an AI. Oh yeah, and if you and if you you know step outside of those behaviors that they really put together, you know it's kind of like this little indie game called Spy Party. Oh, <laughs> did did you see the link that I just sent? Yes, I did. Um, I was uh, trying to steal your thunder, and and <laughs> I was I was I was I was hoping we get a chance to talk about it because this is that distilled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have not played Assassin's Creed, but the, this entire conversation, I've been thinking about that game. Yeah. What is it? I need to see if there's a... Well, I, I sent a link on the discussion, or on the conversation. Spy Party, brief brief, brief, brief synopsis. One person plays a sniper um, looking into a room that's kind of like a like a social gathering, a party with a bunch of different, uh, different NPCs. Um, and the other person plays um, a party goer who is also a spy, and you're given a series of like goals, like you know, rifle through these papers, or go through this safe, or drink from the punch bowl four times. And the person sniping has to discern these behaviors, and the person who is, you know, the the, the spy has to blend in with the people enough to where the sniper won't notice it. And oh, again, nice. it's that hunt for Red October level of kind of like, okay, are they noticing me? have you ever played um you know assassins or sock mafia whatever you know where you have like the nerf gun 
um, and everyone gets a name. Yeah, have you you guys ever played that? No. What What is Sock Mafia? Um, Navigator says the same thing, except you have to hit someone with like a balled up sock. Okay. Instead of um, stabbing them to death. In, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. Assassin's Creed. <laughs> but but I mean, that's that honestly what I, it reminds me of. Just you know, all the experiences of it. Um, you know, just the times when you'll be eating at lunch with a group of people and, like, someone comes and sits down and, like, greets everyone and, like, all conversation instantly stops. <laughs> you know, just, just, like, the the overall tone and feel is very much like that. I feel like that's an accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a rich vein. I'm excited to see what they're going to do with, do with Revelations, honestly. Mm-hmm. But we need to move on because we're getting behind on time. Woo-woo. Sorry. <laughs> Somebody has to be a producer, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I have played a little bit. I uh, Let's see. I finished uh, Uncharted 2, okay. and I, I guess I had not started that last week even, maybe. No, you talked about Uncharted 1 just a little bit. Yeah, I had beat that way back when. I decided to play through Uncharted 2 as well to, to prime myself, I guess, for Uncharted 3. Yeah. Um, I beat it pretty quickly. About the same amount of time it took me to beat the first one, so a couple days. But for some reason, I was kind of less blown away by it. I guess because since I knew how the story played out, I wasn't as uh, glued to the TV screen, seeing you know like what what's going to happen next. You know, I kind of I kind of knew what all the set pieces were and when they were coming up. So mm-hmm. I guess a, a lot of what that game is is the constant amount of surprises that that happen. You know. Um, and also, I had collected all the treasures in the game too, so I couldn't. There was nothing to go through and collect or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, allow, allow me to bring up the official DTR uh, metric, which is the HSQ. <laughs> the holy shit. The holy shit quotient. Yeah. Okay. What is the holy shit quotient? What are the, the number of times you say holy shit over the course of a given game? Uh, okay. Yeah. So it's holy shit moments divided by one. Divide, divided by time. So holy shits per. Oh. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> HS. So we have like killer shits. (laughs) (laughs) That's reserved for the Mass Effect series, but continue. (laughs) Um, Outside of that, I had played a couple of demos. I played an hour long demo of Infamous 2. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that was semi interesting. Um, One of the the nice things, I guess this is something that I got through the PlayStation Plus, um, instead of having like traditional demos like any common man can download (laughs) me being a playstation plus temporary member like everybody else who has a playstation um instead they have one hour demos where you get it's a demo and you have full access to the entire game but an hour time limit so if you can beat the game in an hour good on you if not you're only going to see like you know the first inkling of the game um but the nice thing about this is I had read stories that said that Infamous 2 has a very strong beginning and a strong ending. Mm-hmm. And the beginning was interesting for certainly, but I mean it wasn't it wasn't for instance like a Mass Effect 2 opening. <laughs> so So it was interesting to play um but I I played it for an hour and that's about it. I yeah. probably will not buy uh, the entire copy of the game, despite it getting good reviews, um, I just it just seems to be pretty similar to the first game. A couple of uh, tweaked improvements, but 
it seems like to be the ge- same general experience. So, yeah. people that I've yeah. talked to who've played the game say that um, about about halfway through, when you start to really differentiate between the between the fire abilities and the ice abilities, or, or, or whatever they are, that, yeah. that that that's when it starts to get really kind of crazy. Um, uh, and that there was a which sim- would say not electricity anymore. You start out electricity, but there are other people who have similar powers, and they can teach you their powers. Ooh. It's kind of like the angel on the shoulder and devil on the shoulder. Yeah. And see, I feel like that honestly would probably ruin the game for me just because one of the things I really liked about the first Infamous is I felt like the electrical powers were just very well defined and just worked as a theme. And I, I mean, even I feel like even with, you know, new powers, I feel like it would not be. Um, more is I feel like it'd be less is more the electricity was really built into the environment too from what I understand yeah, having, yeah, having never played it so <laughs> see one of my complaints with the game was that the electric powers were not well defined because like you can fly with electrical powers <laughs> you can slide on telephone wires with electrical powers like some of them and that, well, in this one, you can shoot like uh, they call them Tesla beams, but it's like electric, like uh, I guess remote-controlled missiles, essentially. And I don't know. Like for me, I, that's one thing that I I kind of disliked was the fact that it's every sort of weapon that you see, but with electricity, and it's like <laughs> it doesn't quite make sense that it's electricity. Yeah. Um, how how did you feel about the about the about the city? Because they went from kind of a New York City. Um, influenced uh, environment to being New Orleans post Katrina. Yeah. I mean, did, did did that come across? Nolans. Um, no, Nolans. Yeah, there's a lot of houses that had uh, second story balconies. You know, yeah. that kind of looked over the streets. I don't know. It's kind of cool. There's the music definitely reflected like a, a New Orleans sort of feel. Like a that Dixie was, feel. Yeah, I mean it was fine. It was cool. Um, and it was it was probably a, a more rich environment than the New York City one, which. Yeah which would probably be true in real life. So, <laughs> right. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it was nice, but it wasn't like, uh, I don't know. It wasn't a huge deal, I guess. Okay. I was just curious. Cause that, that seemed like an interesting choice. I, I always, I always like to see how, how soon after tragedy media starts to, uh, kind of take over and, and do reinterpretations of it. And yeah. just over the past year, like with Treme and uh, you know, all, all this, uh, you know, one probably being more tasteful than the other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Left for dead. Oh yeah, that's right, right. One being definitely taste more more tasteless than the others. Um <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah, that, that's neat. I, I've I've heard people rave about it, but I, I imagine if they gave it to you for free you'd probably really like it. Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Okay. If someone, if someone was handing it out on the streets, I would take it for sure. Um, All Sony needs to do is like just somehow mess up enough that all PlayStations catch on fire, and then they'll <laughs> give it to you. So. Perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but then, other than that, the last thing I played is I also played an hour demo of Mass Effect Two. Okay. Even, even though I had already beaten the game, I uh, okay. I kind of wanted to see what it looked like on the PlayStation since I had played it on a uh, 360, mm-hmm. and. It looked okay, and I briefly thought about purchasing it, but it's still—I think it's still around fifty bucks for the PlayStation Three. Yeah. So it's not even—I mean, it's—it's it's not even eight months old yet. So really? I came on January. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Wait for the PlayStation or? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
And the, the game itself, it came out. In, a year and eight months, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm. That's cool. So, that was fun. It was a nice trip down memory lane, but... Uh... And, uh, and, and, and David? Well, um... You know, we've already established that I've been stealing Dennis's games and when he's not looking. So, um, but honestly, other than that, I have not had much time um, to do gaming. That's fine. Um, I've been playing a lot of Kingdom of Loathing, um, but that's just something you play <laughs> indefinitely. So, so, something it's you play a game, for eight that's years. That's a way of life. <laughs> exactly. Um, I I don't know if this counts. I'm downloading um, the Stalker um, Call of um, Pripyat. Pripyat. However you pronounce that random C- Russian Cthulhu. now. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I intend to be playing a game. <laughs> okay. So I got sorry, you. I'm boring tonight. No, it's fine. That's fine. And you know, everybody has a slow week. I, I talked about a PlayStation game and uh, and an iOS game today. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> By the. By the way, I like on the podcast it was like one or two ago for what you've been playing for mine it said nothing in cap <laughs> in capital letters. <laughs> I was wondering if you noticed. I felt I felt shamed. Nothing! time for the discussion question portion of our program where we ask the listeners and ourselves the questions that really matter the question this week is what makes you replay a game certain games you know you play them once and you put them down but other ones they stay with you for life i don't want to figure out what uh, is the defining factor at least for us so uh, let's start it off with uh, i'm going to give a listener response this is from div podcast on uh, Twitter, I'm going to take this moment before I read his response to plug his podcast. It's called Dead Idea of Valhalla. The guy's name is Gary. It's hilarious. Um, so go on to uh, iTunes and, uh, and and subscribe to him and all of those good things because it's, uh, it's, it's a very good creative program. So thanks for responding, Gary. What he says is, now that I'm older, nostalgia, marginally different re-releases, so many times... Uh, through Final Fantasy 4 and 6 and A Link to the Past, also the Virtual Console. Ah, so there's a virtual lot there. console. That's a pretty that's a pretty dense answer. So let's go let's go let's go down it. I mean, a re-release. I, I I've I've fallen prey to that too. I own every version of Final Fantasy 4 that's been released except for the Wonder Swan Color and yeah. the PlayStation P, or the PlayStation Portal One that just came out. <laughs> so so I've, hey, I've I've fallen prey to that too. I mean, have you guys had any uh, any re releases that have uh, that have that have tempted you to go get back into an old jam? Just the obvious one, uh, still upcoming, but uh, oh yeah, okay. bosses and yeah. and and eco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, were re releases a thing really before? I mean, uh, the the you know online downloads became big. There were re-releases of super nintendo games on um the playstation okay specifically you know the final fantasy and then there was a chrono trigger re-release but uh, uh but then there were like r-type collections and things like that and there was a ninja gaiden collection actually the ninja gaiden collection was released on super nintendo and that was the nes 
uh, re, you know, uh, games re-released and updated. So it's it's been a thing. It's just uh, that digital distribution has made it a lot easier for companies to kind of monetize their old brands in a way that doesn't feel entirely exploitative. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but nostalgia is a big one. Not exploitation; it's nostalgia. Yeah, nostalgia is a big one. I, th- I think that we're all going to kind of, kind of get back, get back into that. And the virtual console too. That that's that's one that uh, man. If there's an obscure game that I haven't played in a long time, and that shows up on the virtual console or some other kind of service like that, um, I'm going to uh, be on that like a dog on a bone. Specifically, like uh, uh, like Legend of the Mystical Ninja on the uh, Super oh, Nintendo. That was good. That or if they if they released the N sixty four version of that on the Wii, I would I'd be on top of that in a heartbeat. But uh, um, yeah, so that, that that is a factor too, just the availability and keeping those brands fresh in our minds. Um, so 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 who wants to go? Uh, let's 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 see here, uh, Ben. Do you have a response ready? This is this is what I could come up with. Is I could think of. An example of a game that I would play again, an example of a game that I would never play again. Okay. And so a game that I would have played over and over again is Knights of the Old Republic, uh, ah. both the first and the second mm-hmm. one. And with that game, I think what it was for me was the variability in the game, how since you had so many choices and so many dialogue trees and I was so into the story, I, I would like to constantly make new characters and try different things out. Uh, so try different sorts of classes out. Try you know like a person who had a really high persuasion versus somebody who could intimidate everybody. You know like <sighs> play play around with those sorts of things. Um, You're killing me, Ben. Why? You're killing me. Are you are you just thinking of Mass Effect? <sighs> no. I'm opening up the App Store. Um, uh, <laughs> so, I see. Okay, sorry. Continue. That was not intentional. I'm okay, sorry. no, no. I just—it's twenty dollars that I really shouldn't spend, but I am going to. Is, um, it, is it the first National Republic or the yes, second one? Yes, it's the first one. The first one's good. The second one's pretty good too, despite it being an incomplete story. Uh-huh. You can you can still kind of look past that just a little bit. Your audio is getting kind of weird. Um, I'm going to drop the call and then restart it. Can you say okay. something for me? Okay. Something, something. Something, something. Okay, I'm going to drop the call and uh, and bring us back in, just so we can spare it. Okay. okay. So, 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 Ben, the, you, you go back to Knights of the Old Republic, A, because you like it and it's an awesome game, but you feel like you haven't seen everything. Yeah, it's a game where, that's a game where I, if you're like a sort of completionist or like to see all the possible ways you can play with a game. And you are. That, that's that is a game that there's a lot of corners if you want to call it that or a lot of a lot of dusty corners to explore you know and a, <laughs> a lot of different a lot different little things and different little stories that you can explore so it's really cool yeah um yeah and if you want to try and make i guess another thing for it too is if you want to try and make you know like the best possible like jedi or whatever you know like yeah. there's a you know there's a there's a fun aspect there yeah. um and yeah, and and it's a it's a solid story. It's a it's a good story, and there's a lot of great writing in the game, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, so it's pretty fantastic. There's a lot of great moments in that game. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Moving on. Uh, so let's uh, let's see here, David. Wait. I oh, s- I'm sorry. I, s- oh. I still have you, had, you have one. Okay, I'm sorry. I I missed, <laughs> I missed I missed your setup and your premise. Continue. A game that has almost no replay value for me, surprisingly, is Dead Nation. Okay. Really? 
Yeah, and I, and I was kind of sad about this too because I was really into it when I when I was playing through it. After I beat the game, though, I was I was kind of uh, I guess a little bit bummed out because since the game plays out the same way every time, uh-huh. I, it kind of made me lose interest because I've seen everything there is to see. There's only you know there's only one way to play it. So you don't want to try to get a high score? No, no, <laughs> that nope. You've got to beat Sweden. <laughs> that like that seems like such a like a trivial objective because it doesn't change like how you're. I mean, it changes how you play the game, but it doesn't like uh, it doesn't make your weapons sweeter. It doesn't you know like change the gameplay mechanics at all. You know, like of how effectively you're killing zombies. It doesn't alter your verbs at all. I'm a big fan of verbs. Like, <laughs> what do I do? to do this and you know there are some games like it's like, it's like you said uh certain playthroughs of Night's the old republic you were you were a talky guy mm-hmm. and your your verb was talky talky talk other other playthroughs you were a slashy guy and your verb was slash you know <laughs> and with dead nation for as sweet of a game as it is the only verb that's associated with that is shoot yeah shoot run <laughs> yeah so i guess so I guess uh, in general, wrapping up fin- Jerry Springer final thoughts from my thing is <laughs> is is variability. Variability is what uh, dictates whether I'd want to play it through a game again or not. Is if it if it has a strong storyline and it, I get a, enough of a different experience playing it through it again, I'd I'd probably do such. Okay. Um, can I go um, here just because mine's going to be relatively brief? I think. Um, go for it. First off, I, I really what you said, Ben, really resonates for 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 me about you know seeing different things about the game that you know can can change, and I think that's why I gravitate towards the Bioware uh, games so much. Um, so that that kind of goes uh, as 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 stated. Another another small one will be if there's any kind of like new game plus option, um, and that like if there's an incentive to immediately kind of re-up i will play sooner um the 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 uh the uh, canonical example of this i think is is chrono trigger where it has 14 endings and you carry all of your stats over it's kind of like okay it, it's it's huh. minimal investment you know i'm not starting over with a wooden sword and you know beating up slimes i'm actually like a like a, a god i can go through and you know just just f shit up but uh so, so that's that's another one there are plenty of games who have that kind of mode but kind of looking back like what'll make me go back to a game that uh, uh, that I haven't played for a very long time and what made me think about this was my recent re-excursion back into Breath of Fire and I don't know if this I don't know how much this aligns with nostalgia or not but I almost feel like there's a lot of joy in playing a game I haven't played for a while because I feel like I have a different perspective on it Okay. I'm, 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 you know, I believe that people kind of stay the same a a, a lot, but, you know, in a lot of ways, you're fundamentally a different person, you know, than you were 10 years ago, 11 years, years, you know, 11 years ago when I played it. I was younger. There was some subtext I didn't get in the story. I didn't understand the battle system. So going back to it, you know, yes, it makes me feel good because it reminds me of, you know, younger, simpler times when I could tolerate Japanese RPGs. (laughs) Um, But also, I feel like I'm getting more out of it by comparing what I took, what I took away from it then. Uh, you know, to what I'm getting from it now. Uh, there's a there's a quote. I can't remember what book it's from, but it's the first line of a book, and it says, "the uh, the past is a foreign country. They do things differently there." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know? Went deep on your ass. Yeah, he did. And, well, I, to be fair, I went deep first. I'm going to take credit for rolling deep. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so so that, that that that's what I would say. I mean, that 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 might just be a side genre of nostalgia or whatever. But uh, you know, you just get you get different things on different playthroughs, and if you separate that by time, you know, the the the, the stuff that's really good about it that you remember, you remember it fondly, and the stuff that you forgot about it, it surprises you again. David, all right. Um... I would say I'm probably semi-unique in that, honestly, my answer has to be I don't. I can only think of, like, a handful. The only two games I can think I ever played at all after I beat them were um, uh, Diablo 2 and Pokemon, and both of those, I think, are just the random, like, addiction slash let's kill things thing. Yeah. <laughs> um. I think part of it is I very much uh, tend to be, you know, in it for for the kind of the discovery aspects and the story aspects. So I tend to, I really don't care that much about, you know, for example, playing through Knights of the Old Republic multiple times. I don't care that much about how I got wherever I went. All I care about is, you know, actually uncovering the story itself. Hmm, yeah. Um, and I feel like the other thing is, for me, the nostalgia, I don't know, I feel like when I look back at the games, it's what I'm nostalgic about is how the games related to what I was doing in my life at that time. So because of that, I just feel very little desire to play them again because yeah. it's just kind of I'm not that time anymore. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's just no desire. You know, it's just not the same thing. Yeah. Huh. So Cole's, Cole's reason for playing again is, is your reason for not playing again. Yeah. I, I'm, huh. I'm going to I'm going to, you know, kind of going to respond, respond to that just just by clarifying my, my, my own point just a little bit. Not not refuting sure. yours, but but um. I start most of my like retro playthroughs like right around the holiday times. Um sure. like last year I replayed or the year before last year I replayed Chrono Trigger. This previous year I replayed uh the Silent Hill games. Mm-hmm. Um just uh uh you know Chrono Cross and things like that. I always start those right around Christmas time. Just 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 almost like out of natural gravity. It's almost like this like uh migration back to these older experiences. Uh, that kind of coincides with my migration back home to be around these people that I, you know, was around more way back then. So I, I it just, maybe that's showing some kind of emotional root for where my reason for playing back through these and this, the, the, the nostalgia comes sure. from, but maybe that just sets yours off by, you know, by contrast. I don't know. Yeah. I, um, it's not, a, it's, not, it's not a value thing. I'm just saying you're emotionally dead inside, but continue. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You know, Guilty. Speaking of emotionally dead, um, I'm actually interested you mentioned um, Silent Hill. Um, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm actually downloading the new um, Stalker game. And mm-hmm. although it's not technically um, a replay, it's basically the same, you know, same basic game. And I find that, honestly, it's very hard for me to do that for a survival horror game because mm-hmm. I'm going back to, like, having no resources and it's kind of like the first time it was okay because i didn't know all the random monsters that were going to be trying to kill me 
<laughs> but it's kind of like inflicting that cell, that to myself again <laughs> is, I don't know, kind of weird. Huh. I don't know. I, I, I love survival horror so much that it, that, that, that doesn't af- affect me that much, I guess. I don't know. Hmm. Fair enough. Dennis, what was your the, the response that you got on the Facebook? Yeah, this is from uh, the Royce Baker on Twitter. Uh, he says that he plays games again for variables that change the outcome, for different classes of characters, and alternate storylines. It's kind of a trifecta of replayability there. Yeah, ben, Ben's reasons. Yeah, basically. I mean, Ben Ben mirrored it very closely. Yeah. So, uh, hey, Ben, you're not completely crazy. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and that hues that hues pretty close to when you you know read a game magazine and it rates something on replay value, you know, mm-hmm. it hues pretty close to like what is um, traditionally defined as like is this worth like going back to again? I get kind of annoyed when that's when that's bandied about as like a knock against a game, and it's mm-hmm. like well if it was you know great the first time I, I don't I don't know if that if it diminishes it that it can't be great again. I don't know. I've, I've I've played plenty of games that I thought were amazing that I never wanted to touch again. But yeah, yeah. although his comment on alternate storylines makes me think. Um, there's I, I can't remember the game now. Um, but you know, it, so many people tote like alternate endings as alternate storylines, and I think there's a difference there. There is, yeah. And I I know there's there's at least a couple games where you can play first through the first time as like the good guy. Mm-hmm. and uh, see one thing, and then you could go back and play the game through again as the bad guy, only like with different cutscenes explaining why you were going through each area. Yeah. I can't. I, I know there's at least one game like that. I feel like there have been multiple that I've seen, if not played, Is, that have done that. Isn't Bioshock a canonical example where it's like you have this illusion of a choice that you make, but all it really affects is the slideshow at the end? Yeah. Uh, that's like <laughs> Fallout 3. Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, man. So, yeah, the alternate – I think games need more alternate storylines rather than mm-hmm. just alternate slideshow endings because that's, that's the perfect way to put it is here's a slideshow showing you the choices that you already knew you made. <laughs> I feel like they could even – it would be nice if some games would even do kind of a Grendel type of thing. Oh, yeah, do the Rashomon. Sorry, I've got fireworks going off in the background. That's fine. <laughs> What what is the Grendel kind of thing? I think I'm in the dark here. Well, I mean, Beowulf was you know the story of Beowulf killing off Grendel and you know the hero, etc. And then um, Grendel was a modern book someone wrote that um, was the story from Grendel's perspective, explaining you know why he did the things he did and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And why did why did he eat the heads of people? <laughs> It, um, <laughs> to get their I, what knowledge. I'm just saying is, um, you know, it was a lot to do with kind of the idea of like immortality in terms of like not in terms of like wanting to be famous and you know kind of those existential concerns. I mean, All right. yeah. And then the, uh, Rashomon is the is the classic play slash movie that was directed by uh, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, seven samurai i forget his name right now kurosawa um where it was the story it was the same story told through multiple perspectives and it and, uh. and, and it altered everything like one person presented their case more more uh specifically it was about like a rape that took place in a forest and everything was like different depending on who was uh who was narrating at the time huh, so, huh. 
it's great. Uh, CCM did a really good performance of it a couple of years back. But uh, but yeah, it would be cool to see to see like the the varying perspectives. Like you play one as the uh, as as the protagonist, and then another one as the antagonist. Although I feel like, unfortunately, in today's America, whatever, it would just become like ultra edgy, like anti-hero, you know, emo yeah. thing. But. Well, those are the protagonists. The antagonists are, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> the antagonists are actually cool. You know where they stand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, and Dennis, you're going to round us out. What's your opinion on all yeah, of this? Yeah, well, mess? I'm getting shot at here. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> I can hear it. Do you need help? Do yeah, you and I... David need help? I can come get you. Well, me and me and David were talking. They they just put a new bunker on our apartment, so I think okay. we're all right. Um, so uh, the reason that I play games again is actually uh, Ben was kind of discussing it earlier during what you've been playing, is in order to get to the newest version of the sequel, or the get to the newest sequel. Oh, in prep. In prep, exactly. Um, I don't know what complex it is, but I feel like in order to play a new game that I'm excited about, I have to go back and play all of the iterations before it that I'm not as excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, even if I played through a game and thought it was mediocre, if I see the new version of a game and I think, oh, that looks good now, I'll feel compelled to go back and uh, play that first game again. So like Assassin's Creed 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a step change that was from the first game, and yet I still felt like I need to go back and refresh myself before I can oh, enjoy okay. the second one. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that I think that's valid, and that goes along with the with the slightly retweaked, um, you know, re-releases that uh, that Gary uh, mentioned. You know, a, a new release will definitely do a lot for your your awareness of that product, right? Anything that came out mm-hmm. before it. I, 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 part of me suspects that my, that my, that my return to Breath of Fire 3 is actually me trying to get my, uh, nut up, as it were, for, uh, uh getting, getting through <laughs> Final Fantasy 13, which, which is a game that I, I have a feeling that I would enjoy if, mm-hmm. if, if I was inoculated against kind of the, the, the inanity of a lot of JRPG designs. So I'll go back to one that I really liked and think, okay, I'm ready for this now and go for it. Doesn't <laughs> mean that I'm not going to enjoy it. I mean, it sounds like I'm getting ready to, you know, get a medical procedure done, but, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, you play games to be ready for other games. Cause you know, life is about context. It's complicated. And you gotta get the full, something inside me says that that's the way you get the full experience. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you got to watch all the Lord of the Rings movies back to back to back. And that that's the real experience there in the same way. You gotta, I, it took me so long to get to the first um, Ratchet and Clank future uh-huh. because I felt like I had to go back and play every single one of the of the uh, PlayStation 2 Ratchet and Clank games. And that took forever to go back and play them or replay them go back and replay them excuse okay, me. okay. yeah I, I had been through them once and I felt like I needed to go through them again. Yeah, because I think replay them is a little bit more understandable. Mm hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, we all have our reasons, you know? Yeah. What, what would you think if they ever started doing the whole Hollywood, you know, actually remaking classic games? Like Prince of Persia? Like, uh, Silent Hill Shattered Memories? Um, maybe. Yeah. (laughs) It's, I mean, it's something that's happened. I mean, the, 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 the whole reboot, um, phenomenon, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about Tomb Raider. Yeah, um, I, that, think, I think that looks amazing, but uh, I don't know. Like, like I think we said earlier, it's I Tomb Raider. It looks like it's doing the whole like GTA Four thing. Like, wow, they can actually make a game that's not juvenile. Yeah, 
<laughs> I, I just, uh, um, I, I think that, you know, I'm a little bit more receptive to it in games than in Hollywood just because, you know, it seems like they're the people are more willing to take risks in games rather than, well, let's cast Cameron Diaz and Nick Cannon. And I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it all seems a little bit less, uh, less irritating and passe. So that was the discussion question portion of our program. Thank you so much. Uh, the two of you who responded, uh, we'll have more, uh, audience participation goodness next week so here is the beastie boys track and we are going to say goodbye that was episode number 121 of stand under the don't tree and riddle me this a podcast about video games just some real quick uh housekeeping go to duckfeed.tv there you can find um, old episodes of this show and also other podcasts that are released under the auspices of this uh, fledgling network. See fledgling? It relates to birds and birds or ducks. I see what you did there. <laughs> yes. Um, you can also look us up on iTunes. It would be greatly appreciated if you would leave us a review or even just rate us. Um, it's it's a it's a very um, easy thing to do, um, you know, relatively to you know a, a lot of things that you could be doing at the moment. Yeah, um, like and, sawing off your leg. Yeah, just you, you know, and, and that's the option that we're going to give you sooner. <laughs> um, and, no, let's go there. It, it really does um, a make me and us feel good about the show but uh, you know we get enough of those we'll get up in the new and noteworthy section of the of the itunes and our rating will go up and more people will see us and that's a you know i think i think in general the best way to help something that you love isn't to donate money or whatever is to make sure more people see it and uh, I, I think that that is the best thing to do for us so that is the end of my entreaty also, if they're leaving a review, they should say what they think of Dennis, since he's probably going to die of gunfire tonight. Yes. Yeah. No. This uh, I, will, I will. I will include it in the in the eulogy. So eulogize. <laughs> so <laughs> for stand under the don't tree and riddle me this. This has been Cole Ross and Dennis and Ben David. And uh, thank you so much, you guys. And be sure to rate us on iTunes. That's all I have to say.